0: Welcome back to the Confidence Covered by Humility Podcast, where we learn together what it takes to lead our businesses, our teams, and our homes with a humble confidence. I'm James Mayhew, and it's my distinct honor to welcome my friend and special guest, Jarrett Samuels. Jarrett is a husband, a father of three, pastor, mentor, and creator of the Pursuit of Manliness community and podcast. His passion is to equip and challenge men to raise the standard of what it means to be a man of God. But here's the real story about Jarrett, from my perspective anyway. uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing Jarrett before the Pursuit of Man in this movement was born. And he's one of the true good guys, a man who speaks biblical truth with conviction and a man who honors that truth in his life. And there's a reason that I wanted to reach out to have Jarrett be the first guest of this new podcast And it's because he's the person. He's the guy that first shared this amazing combination of words with me, confidence covered by humility. So, Jarrett, my friend, thank you for being with us today. Hey,
1: thank you, Jim. It is always a blessing to get to hang out with you, even if it's virtual.
0: I would just like you to get people who are unfamiliar with what you're doing, uh, unfamiliar with pursuit of manliness, get us up to speed. Well, get us acquainted with what it's all about.
1: Well, I've shared... Before and I, and I'm, I'll share this many times as the Lord lets me the pursuit of maleness was was born in a in a, in a moment's notice where I had a son I had two daughters I've been married for a number of years my son's born collapsed lung he's in the NICU the whole deal and uh, I start praying these popcorn prayers like we've all prayed and. I remember saying, God, if you help this little boy fight, then, then I'll fight. And I remember thinking in that moment, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my mind because uh, there was no fight in me. There was no, I was pretty going through the motions, whatever. And through the course of the next couple of years, God just, my son got out of the NICU and there's a whole story there. But through the next couple of years uh, I felt like God was growing me and I didn't realize exactly what was taking place. And then one day, it was as if the Lord came and sat next to me. Now, I don't have many situations where this has happened, so I'm not one of those guys. But it's as if I remember those exact words. If you help this boy fight, I will fight. And I remember thinking, oh, we're about to get real uncomfortable. And we did. And and through the course of that, the pursuit of manliness is born. We end up moving. There's just a lot of moving pieces to that. And Here I am in late March 2023, just try, still trying to figure it out.
0: Tell tell us, share the phrase that that you have. What's your slogan or or your your mission behind pursuit oh, of manliness? Yeah.
1: Well, it is to vigorously equip men to pursue biblical
0: manliness. I want to just pick on the word "vigorous." Like it's not a word that you find a lot. It's not, it's not a word that's on the top of you know a lot of people's vocabulary and tip of their tongue. So why why did you choose "vigorously"? Why why that word? Well. I, it's, it's, it, to me, it's similar to the word
1: pursuit. When I say the pursuit of manliness, it is, should be evident. I do not have this thing figured out, but I'm moving that direction to try to figure this thing out, being a man of God. So the word vigorous meant I'm going to get some scars and I'm going to get some bruised knees and we're going to have some long nights and some, you know, uh, calluses on our hands, but doggone it, at the end of the day, we're going to try and you know, we're going to try to help other men. I'm trying to help myself. I'm trying to help other guys. Um, I am not anti-female. I have three in my house and they are inferior to nobody, but (laughs) I feel a call to talk specifically to guys, to stir in them, to say, man, we, we can do better. We should do better. And when we do better, when we try to be men of God, um, Everybody benefits from that.
0: You know, kind of a follow up question. What does it mean to, to equip men in that way to pursue biblical manliness? Like, what is that all about? What does it entail? Yeah. I mean, does that mean I'm just supposed to be, a, you know, a good Christian, go to church? Or uh, is, it, is it for Christians? Is it for non Christians? What is it? Well, I say, um,
1: what is Christian in, in general? Which we follow Jesus, no question about that. But um, I believe there's okay. a difference between being a man of God and a Christian guy. So we're going after being men of God. Christian guys, they just try to be nice. They don't try to cuss very much. They don't try to look at ladies very much. They just try to, you know, not. they're, just, they're not a threat. They almost apologize for it. And men of God, I think it's different. And so for me, I go back to Genesis 1 and 2. First of all, you're created in the image of God. We got to get that right. That's male and female. And everything guys get here, women get it too. Just a little different. Uh, number two. Uh, we are to be fruitful and multiply, which essentially means give more than you take. It's not just dictated for child rearing because you and I are done having kids as far as we know. So we say, Phew, I'm out on that. Nope. It means to give more than you take, to have dominion, which would be that your presence should matter. When I walk into a room, the room should be better. Not because I tell you I'm here, just because I'm willing to do what needs to be done while I am there, Um, Number three or four, we work and keep what has been entrusted to us. So we're men who cultivate. Uh, We try to work hard at home, at work, wherever we're at. And we believe if you marry men, if you marry, you marry a woman. Adam married Eve. God placed them together and they helped each other follow God. I help my wife. She helps me. We help our children try to get to heaven. Those five things all happened in scripture before sin entered the world, once sin enters the world, we start adding all these other components to what it means to be a guy, a girl, a man, a woman, we've mucked it up. So if we get back to those things and say, those are our foundation, those are our baseline, then you can kind of build from there. And I think, otherwise you say, do you got to have to have a beard like you? Absolutely not. Do I have to have this, that, uh, a motorcycle? Do I have to have, uh, no, if you want it, sure. But uh, no, but you do need to do those five things
0: that kind of leads me to like the next topic that I want to talk with you about, which is what is, what does it mean to be a confident man, Jared? What's it mean to be a confident man? Because I want to, I want to start there and then I want to come back to what does it mean to be a humble man too? So you can attack them together or separate, however you want.
1: Well, I'll say this. I, I I don't think I'm arrogant and I don't desire to be, you know, alpha male or none of those things. What I mean by confident is I'm 47 years old. I got three kids. I've been married for 23 years this year. I think I'm done in trying to impress people. I'm done trying to get people to like me or say, will you accept me? Will you be okay with me? And I think all the energy we spend trying to get people to like us. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure most people like themselves because they're constantly trying to be a camouflage version of whatever the, the, the climate calls for. And so if I walk into a room like I'm in this big room right now, and, and if, if I'm the speaker, I'll be the speaker. If I'm the garbage taker outer, I'll be the garbage taker outer. It really doesn't matter. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I have a lot of years experience, so do you. But there will be people that could care less what kind of experience we have. They'll still look at us like we have no idea what we're talking about it's not my job to convince anybody or your job to convince anybody. I know what I'm talking about because you'll waste a lot of energy trying to convince them that, Oh, maybe he does know what he's talking about. No. What I'm confident is I know who I am because of Jesus. I know who I am because of my bride. I know who I am because I try to be a good dad. If I get fired today and you take my parking spot away, I don't have one by the way, you take my keys away, you take (laughs) the code away to the door uh, my identity won't change. Uh, that's not changing. Now I may change where I park my car on Monday, but that won't change. And I say all that because I don't want to get my identity from something that can be taken away from me. You know, because of so-, so. For me, I find confidence in the fact God woke me up today. He must not be done with me yet. What does it
0: mean mm-hmm. to be a humble man,
1: as well? Yeah, like we say all the time in our house, like. We're not better than those people, but we're better than that. And what I mean by that is I don't want to lower my standards again to try to fit in or whatever. Humility says I'm not better than you. I, humility says you might know more than I do or you might be smarter or you might be much better at the English language than I am or whatever. Um, but I'm going to be okay with that. I, but that doesn't mean I'm a doormat. That doesn't mean I let people you know, walk over me or whatever. I think for too long, Christian guys – kind of neutered themselves. You know, they just, you know, they, they could talk about gutting deer and rebuilding engines and doing all this man stuff, but church stuff, all of a sudden they started staring at shoes all the time because nobody knew how to talk about the things of God or scripture. And we're like, do you realize what you're missing? So for me, the humility comes in the fact that I'm not better than anybody. I don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. Again, if I'm in a big room right now, because we're trying to get the internet right. Um, I I can stand on the front of that stage like I do a lot of weekends or I've had times where I've sat in the back row and watched someone else be up there. That doesn't change my value. That doesn't change who I am. And I'll be okay with that. I'll take out a lot of garbage here. I will sweep the floor. We lost our custodians for a while. I cleaned the church for a minute. I don't care. I can do that.
0: You know, and I think that's something that's that gets lost at times is because, you know, if I've arrived at a certain level and I, and I take into consideration that, uh, you know, because of my title, those things are beneath me, uh, that, is, that is confidence that is not covered with humility, which what? I mean, that's arrogance then, right? If I feel like if I'm above something or better than that, but that's not about what you were saying either, which is. You're talking about maintaining certain standards. So could you expound a little bit more on standards, like what, what you talk about with guys and, and uh, maybe even what some of your guests have shared with you on, on your podcast around that?
1: Yeah, I think the key is we have to navigate relational waters. So I'm a pastor. At, that's what I do full time. And so everybody that walks in or out of this building, they're all different. They all have different requirements. Some of them are leeches and they're going to take from you until you finally say no more. Some of them are life givers. They're going to pour into you. They're going to ask how you're doing, whatever. And then there's all the in-betweens. And so for me, you know, I don't want to lower my standard. There's that There's that quote, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. And that's something I think of. Like I don't have the patience for stupidity. And that's going to sound really bad, but I just don't. Like if you want to be Eeyore and you want to just drain my time, I really don't have time for that. But if I know like you're trying and you're trying to figure this out, you got it, man. Let's do this. Let's be on this journey together. Let's move the right direction. And so everybody you encounter, you're navigating a relational water. You think of the problem in the workplace. You have all these different personalities. You have people leveraging for resources, leveraging for the boss's ears, you know, making sure they look like they're a yes man or that they set the right seat at the table or always get to sit by the boss or whatever. Who cares? Like, I'm just thankful God even lets me sit at the table. I'm thankful that he let me have a key to the building. I'm thankful that he, I had talked to a guy today who quit his church and I said, you know, he's struggling with some things. And I said, I don't even think this is about the church. I think God's doing something bigger in you that you're going to see five to 10 years down the road. This isn't about that little pocket of time. We think it is and is. We've become so obsessed with it. And what you do is you begin to have conversations in your head with these other people because you're trying to leverage yourself or your credibility or your credentials. And listen, there's things that happen here that I'm like, if I, do you know where I served? Do you know who I know? Do you know? And you know, at the end of the day, who cares? You know, right? it's like the Holy Spirit telling you, Jared, who cares? Maybe in this moment, this is what's required of you. It's not about who you know, what you've done. Cause Really, that means absolutely nothing. And at some point, we're all going to leave this earth. We're a heartbeat away from eternity, and just like that, it's all gone.
0: God's given us gifts, right? A- every person is born with gifts. Nobody is an accident. That is a, a very right. strong belief that that I have, right? So mm-hmm. I don't care how you were created. You were created, and you were divinely, inspiredly created. So you're given gifts. What's been your – what's been one of the ways that – as either through uh, you know the the mentorship that you're doing through pursuit of manliness or as a pastor that you've helped men understand their gifts because my experience has been in, in business for what I do uh, there are times when I, I'm finding men who have lost their confidence or they haven't realized what their abilities are or, you know, they they're suffering from imposter syndrome or fear or doubt. And, and that's impacting their leadership. So what are some of the things that, that you've been able to do to help men like step into who they're who they're designed to be?
1: I, I think the one important thing is to identify you're always in a season. So, like, I had a season of children's ministry where we were writing our own curriculum, our own VBSs, our own, and it was awesome because everyone wanted to know where – it was so good for my ego. Everybody wanted to know where I was getting the stuff from. I was like, well, you know, I had to false humble them, like, well, I wrote it, you know, and so I, we were just like and, – and people wanted to know that you, you were getting – I had calls every week to go to other churches and stuff. I mean I really thought I was something. And then I went to a really big church and it was like going to the Marines. They just beat you down to build you back up. And I thought I am nothing. And uh, I think you're always in a season. And I remember thinking, you know, a number of years ago, I've lost that creative aspect of myself where I was writing curriculum. I have zero desire to ever write any more curriculum ever for kids, zero. But that was a passion where I couldn't stop thinking about it for that season. And I, I think sometimes God gives you different passions for different seasons And so to think that because I have this – because I love art at 18 years old, I will love it forever. You might hate it in six months, and you might suddenly become a mechanic or whatever. I never – James, you were my first guest, and I'll never forget about 20 seconds into the first question. I asked you a question, and you said, well, Jared, I'll tell you what. And fear ran through me because uh, I was not telling people that I was doing this. I only told like 15 people that I even had this thing. And so for me, I never desired, I never desired to be in front of a camera. I didn't desire to be on front of a stage ever that came in time. And so I think you're constantly being prepared for another season, something different. And so what you're passionate about today, you may not be passionate about in a few years. And I think, I think that's okay.
0: You know, that's, that's so relevant for me because I I remember thinking that, that, uh, (laughs) I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk, who I enjoy listening to at times for a time because he's just he's overwhelming. But one of the things that he had said was like, it, it's it's BS to go out and pursue a passion. He's like, just go out and say yes to things. And I thought, man, that's not really right. And then you got to find your passion. Well, I, I have so evolved and I, I, I'm I now thinking, I know how right Gary Vaynerchuk was when he said that, because for me, for me to be here in this chair speaking to you today on topics like this, uh, this is never, it was never on my radar to do. It, it wasn't something I set out to do, like what you just said for for you in, in the church. Um, I was doing design work. I was in graphics and video and photography. I loved those things. And then suddenly now I'm I'm talking at a different level to a different audience on different topics. And I am incredibly passionate about them. If I hadn't said yes to an opportunity or helped push the door open for that opportunity, I wouldn't be here today. And, and I just I think that's one of those things. It's one of those rarest times, Jarrett, that I can think back to when I said, hey, I'm the guy for the job, even if you don't think I am. I just want you to know, we need to do three things. I don't care who you put in this role. There's about three things we better do right away. And that, and that led to the next thing and the next thing. And it led to today. And, um, to, for me, that was a, uh, (laughs) that was a moment of awakening for me of like, wow, I just, I did something that I was scared to do previously. I'd never done something that I thought was that bold or that courageous. And what I found out was, is that's really just confidence. That's just confidence coming through and who God's gifted me with um, certain abilities, certain talents, and step into those and and see where it goes. And that, that to me is, um, it's been the biggest change. Uh, It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when you can do it.
1: I, I was telling, a, a guy emailed me the other day about wanting to start a podcast. And I think it was Christian men related. I don't remember asking for advice. And one of the things I told him was uh, re- record a bunch of episodes that nobody's ever going to hear. You know, like when I first started this out and I felt like nice. I should start a podcast, I remember saying it to my wife and she said, do it. And I thought, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted her to hear, we don't, I wanted her to say, we don't have the money to buy a microphone or whatever it was. Cause I had no idea what I was doing but i would record a uh, you know episodes in my garage and work out like how to do an intro or what did I want it to sound like or who would be a target audience. And it wasn't trying to be something that you're not. It's that you have to allow yourself to be a beginner at something. You have to allow yourself to not know and not know everything. I told you before we hit record to me, podcast episodes are like the clothes you wore in high school. They were a good idea at the time and it was the best that you had in your closet, but now you might not wear the same clothes. Well, that's what you have to do. And for, you know, I get, get your, I, for, I get a sports podcast for a while just to see what it was like because I love sports. And I thought, what if I talked about it? And what I found was I love sports. I don't necessarily want to have a podcast about sports. I'm not the guy to talk about sports on podcasts. Um, I'm too biased to my to my teams and such. But I realized you have to do it. And, and, and along the way, you may just find something that you do enjoy. I, I've wasted money on microphones and things because I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to figure it out. But now I have a story. That I can tell to somebody else and help them. My daughter's boyfriend's trying to podcast. So I could say, "Hey, here's a few things I would tell you. Here's something I didn't know when I started. Here's something you should consider." Um, I, I wouldn't be able to have that conversation had I not sweat my face off in a garage, you know, in July, trying to figure out how to like what should a podcast sound like, you know. So
0: here we are. Well, let's, I think that you've, you've brought me to a couple of places here and, and a moment, you know, several minutes ago, I think you said something about false, false humility. So I want to come to that in a second, but let's talk about the, the, the the phrase confidence covered by humility, because I remember exactly where I was when you said it, I was driving in my car. I had you on, on the car uh, audio. (laughs) I was on interstate three eighty driving through downtown Cedar Rapids in the S curves. And I was, close to being where I was going. So I, I think our time was limited and you dropped in just in a line, you know, in a statement, um, confidence covered by humility. And I said, Whoa, 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 hang on. What did you just say there? And do you, do you have an origin for that to match, you know, what, what was going on? I, Jared, that must've been in like 2018 <laughs> or 17, maybe it was a several years yeah. ago.
1: I, it would probably be 2017 because I remember telling it to a staff member, when he got hired and he was, I'm going to say he was very nervous to be living in a city in the church and everything. And I told it to his parents as well. I don't exactly, I don't have, I can't credit it to anyone else other than feeling like maybe God laid that on my heart at that time, except for the fact I do joke, I have survival instincts. So I'm sure that at some point, especially moving from one place to another, smaller town to, you know, bigger city, that was probably something laid on my heart by God at some point. So I, I don't know if someone else came up with it before I did, God bless them. I don't know where it came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, to, to me, you're the man who introduced it to me. And, and I just remember saying, what did you just say? Because there must've been a thousand things that just started swirling through my head. I, you just ignited all these neurons that are firing off. And, and I just remember the, the excitement and, so if it was 2017, that sounds about right. Six years later, that's just been working on me. And it's it's come up in conversations that I've had with CEOs, with business founders, with middle layer managers. It's come up with employees and, and volunteers. like And all these experiences that I've had, it's found its way in. I have shared it. I can't even begin to tell you, but it's gotta be hundreds of times I've shared it. The cool thing is, had you not said it to me that day or, or had I been distracted when you said it, I would have missed one of the most foundational elements for me. I would have missed something beautiful. And, and anyway, it's just like, to me, it was a divine moment. It's like, that matters. We need to talk about that more because you and I have had some conversations offline mm-hmm. before about church or about business and, and just relationships between people. And one of the things that I've, that, that that i really get troubled with is false humility. You you introduced the idea, you know, a, a little bit ago. Uh tell me from from your perspective as a pastor, how how do you see false humility showing up? What does it look like? Because here's the thing. Me as a 35-year-old or even a maybe a early 40s, i i probably needed somebody to tell me that I know what was happening in my life. And so my hope is, is that when we have a discussion like this, somebody else hears it and they go, I need to stop doing that. I need to cut that crap out. So I I want Mm. you to kind of share from your perspective, what, what is it that you've seen about that?
1: Yeah. A false humility always finds a way to get credit. You know, like the false humility, there's no way a person who's trying to be humble. Who's not humble. will not at some point go, well, That was my idea. Well, I didn't want to say anything, but if you listen to someone long enough, they'll tell you what's in their heart. They'll tell you what's really going on. And I think that's what, that's, that's important to me. My father-in-law has been the opposite of that. This is a guy that could preach me under a table, has done all kinds of things I'll never do. And he's one of the most humble people I've ever met. So I think what happens when you try to be, when you try to fake humility in a strange way you almost become more arrogant in a passive aggressive way and it's hard to it's hard to paint the picture but when you see it you know and you know that and you know that because people they don't want to follow that they don't really want to be around that and people who are fake at being humble always surround themselves with people who tell them yes they always tell them, they always surround themselves with people who affirm them because anyone who would question them will ruin them. And so if, if you know, I like to be right. I like to be sm- perceived as smart or an, a valuable piece to the team. But I've had people say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And go, okay, well, I tried. We'll see what happens. Um, and then there's times you say, nope. I really think this is something we should do. So I think if you try to fake humility, it will be actually received as arrogance in the long run.
0: Yes, that is exactly what I have noticed too. I see it in in the business world all the time. And when you said it's a a form of passive aggressiveness, it is. And I think that's one of the most toxic behavior styles there is, whether it's in business or in our churches, in our homes, in any relationship, Uh, because the way I teach it is this if I'm being passive aggressive, it's for me to say to you, I'm not okay. And I know you're not okay. And I'm going to keep it that way. I'm going to ensure it because I'm using it as some sort of leverage or power. And, and it's the exact opposite of what it means to be an assertive, confident communicator, which is to say, I'm okay. And you're okay. We've expressed it. We're, we're okay. We've said what needs to be said. And, and I think that if, if men can't do that, you know, this is, I want to talk to you specifically around men today because if men can't do that piece, uh, it creates just tremendous ripple effects in our relationships, doesn't it?
1: Like who we really are is who we are at home. So the reason why, especially men, can exert so much energy in the workplace is because it's easier to be affirmed in the workplace. I get paid. I sit at the head of the table, I have keys, I have a code, I have a vote, whatever. You don't get those things at home because they know who you really are. But that's who you really are. And I encourage you guys to remember at the end of your life, that's who you really want around you. And so there's times where I'll have to apologize at home. There's times that I'll have to – serve at home or I'll have to listen more at home or I have to watch the Hallmark channel at home or I'll have to do something I don't want to do, you know, like run kids activities and stuff at home. You know, if I'm in a workplace, I'm like, Hey, do you not know my title says I'm the lead pastor? So I don't necessarily, no, I don't do that. But there are times where you, it'd be easy to flex that muscle at home. They're like, you're one of us. And so if I exert a dominant uh, persona at home, I can't be shocked 20, 30 years later if my kids don't want me at their house if they don't want me around their kids if they don't like a lot of guys are not thinking 10, 20, 30 years down the road they're saying, my house, my chairs, my rules, yeah, that's not going to work out like there's no question in our home you know like who who's doing if I have to say I pay the bills, um, we got a problem. you know if you have to tell somebody you are something, then you're probably not. And so I think, you know, it comes with the day in, the day out, the minutia, the, you know, listening to their stories, the paying for prom dresses, the whatever. To me, that's where the rubber meets the road. And my kids are at an age now where they know, am I full of bull crap or am I, am I really who I say I am? And, and they, they can call me out on it. And I think that's a good thing because I can, I can fake out a lot of people. It's the people closest to you who really know you. They know whether you're anything that you – project to
0: be or not. Let's talk about confidence in the Bible, because yeah. I, if you do a search, you won't find confidence, the word confident or confidence used in a good way. It's not the most direct thing in scripture that I've found. Do you, <laughs> Am I off? Am I missing something there? Because yeah. my question for you is: is, where does it show up and, and what does it look like? I've got some things that kind of come to mind for me. I'm not going to source, like maybe cite a, a particular verse, uh, but I might re- resort to referring to a, a certain part of the book. But I wanted to get it from you. Like, where does confidence show up in Scripture?
1: I think a great example of what we are talking about is in First Samuel chapter 13, Jonathan. Jonathan is the guy that demonstrates incredible confidence and incredible humility. Now, in 1 Samuel 13, he's waiting. His dad's the king. Okay, He's number two, but his dad's the king. And he says, man, we got to do something. Something needs to be done. Now, for me, something needs to be done might be, okay, this is chaos. I'm going to take over. We're going to get this straightened out. Or it might be to take out the garbage. It might be to go sit by the widow and ask how you're doing. Whatever. Something needs to be done. He goes over, and well, before he goes over, he looks at his armor bearer and says, we're fixing to go over there. I'm going to look for a sign, and he he gives the sign. If they say, come down here, that's the sign. If they don't, God's not calling us down here. He says, if we get called down here, we're going to battle. The armor bearer basically tells him, I am with you, heart and soul. You go, I go. Now, the armor bearer is not a guy like a caddy running behind carrying your gear. He is a guy that would literally be holding the shield in front of you. He's saying, I'm going to put my neck on the line. We're going into battle. Jonathan goes over there, Jonathan goes over there and he just cleans tail. I mean, he, w- he w- starts wiping them out. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, his dad gets credit for it. Whatever, okay? You, you fast forward, David's going to whip somebody, Goliath. Saul's going to try to get credit. That's over because they're singing songs about David. And Jonathan gives him his gear and says, you're king. That's a guy to me that's confident yet covered in humility. He didn't back away from who he was. This Jonathan is nobody to mess with. He's got a buddy, though. This is important. You need a buddy. You need someone who will tell you the truth. If that armor bearer said, we're not going anywhere, Jonathan would have either went without him or said, let's stay here. But if you got somebody, if you got someone who's got your back, who will tell you the truth, who will fight these battles with you, and you can do a lot of things in life. And to me, that is a great example of a man who was confident. He didn't have to flash his badge, son of the king or anything like that. He went over saying, there's a problem and I'm fixing to do something about it. And the armor bearer says, let's go. And so to me, that is a great example of a confident man who later on we see him displaying a ridiculous amount of humility.
0: Okay. So now if, if we were to look forward into the new Testament side of things, uh, Jesus comes and you and I have had conversations. I know there's a lot of conversations in in the world that that you speak to about the weakening of the way we portray Jesus. And one of my favorite things to just remind, uh, men when I'm talking to them about who he is, who he was at the time as a man, uh, was to think about what his hands looked like, right? As a craftsman, he didn't have these little yep. wimpy, girly hands. He had strong <laughs> hands. They probably had some dirt under the fingernails. His hands were probably calloused. He probably was a little bit ripped, you know, because first of all, he wasn't eating potato chips and drinking beer. He, you know, it, that wasn't part of who they were at the time. So he, I always now picture him as, as a, a manly man. Um, but, but when I think about that, what I'm trying to describe is, not weak, not girly, not soft. and And we can cite all these things where he says, "Turn the other cheek and all of these things. but but when I look at where confidence shows up in the New Testament, I think about people like uh, uh, Peter, even though he screws up, he's the one that's at least saying, "I know who you are, and I believe in you, and I will follow." Like it, 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 to me, I just cannot imagine what it was must have been like for to meet somebody like Jesus and he says come follow me and you basically just he looks at you in such a way that you drop your stuff and you just go that's confidence you you just don't you don't find a lot of scripture that says hey be a confident guy out there in fact you find most of the opposite it says it says be humble you are less that, you know, see yourself as less than others. And so how does that show up for you? Like, what are some of the favorite parts of the new Testament for you that really exhibit confidence covered by humility?
1: I think about, I think it's John chapter four, where Jesus talks to the woman at the well. Um, you, you didn't do that. You, you didn't go hang out with, with women that weren't your wife and stuff. And so here's Jesus talking to her he tells her the truth, which would have been hard. Go eat your husband. I don't have a husband. I know you have a bunch of marriages and relationships that didn't work out. Um, he, he, she was a Samaritan. He shouldn't have been there. I mean there's a lot of things you say, man, what are you doing? You think you're king? You're supposed to be the son of God? Like why would you spend time uh, with her? Uh, because that's what I came for. I think the woman caught in adultery. You talk about a cool moment, you know, cool hand Luke moment, if you will. They bring this woman out. They didn't bring the guy. They bring the woman out. and They throw her at the feet of Jesus, and they're like, this woman's caught in adultery. Here's what the law says, and he just starts riding in the ground, probably riding the sins that they've committed. Just a hunch because text tells us the older guys walked away first. Ah, they said, oh, we're out of here. We know how this goes. We're gone. It took the younger guys a few more minutes to say, oh, that's her name. Okay, I'm out of here too. And I think in those moments, it's just it's a demonstration of this confidence sometimes is exerted in dominant presence. If there's danger, doggone it, stand up. The Bible's clear, stand firm, take a stand. You know, the last thing you want is a bunch of passive people if there's danger in your house. You know, if you have to roll over in the middle of the night and say, Honey, go check the door, we got a problem. Okay. So there are times you need to stand up and you need to say, Hey, I'm going to do something about this. This is wrong. And there's times you need to say, "How can I help? What do you need from me? Do you need prayer? Do you need, you know, um, you, you need you need some ice pack for your knees? Do you need like what do you need? Like how can I serve? And I think that comes from a place where my service doesn't define me. It should have overflow of who I am. I'm confident in who I am in Christ, but I'm humble enough to know. He could take this, make this, rearrange this at any second because it's his to begin with. It wasn't mine to begin with. When I leave this planet, there ain't about three or four people that will even remember my name past 10 years. That's the way it's supposed to be, I think. His story is not about me. It's about, to the best of my ability, helping people get to Jesus while I'm here, hopefully being a good example and and not creating any hindrances for them to understand the gospel. And uh, hopefully... Helping my wife and kids, and I pray for their spouses and future children, all that. Hopefully, they get to heaven as well. So for for me and for others throughout Scripture, you you see like Stephen, the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter, was that five or six? I think it's six, where he is of good repute, good reputation, high character. You know what they asked him to do? Put a turkey sandwich on a plate. That's what they wanted him to do. He was basically. Food distribution guy. How many leaders would go, I'm not food distribution guy. Do you know who I am? That was the first Christian martyr that told one of the top three greatest sermons in the Bible. The guy who put Lay's chips on a plate so widows had something to eat. You don't need a position to do something impressive.
0: I have to, I have to share something. I was just kind of you know visualizing what, what some of the things that you were describing there. And um, I, I'm in, in the middle of watching the, the TV series, The Chosen, for the second time. And one of the things that, that I think is very, um, man, it just hits me. It, it's in season one and it's when, I think it's season one, when uh, Nicodemus uh, speaks to Jesus a couple of times and uh, he realizes who he's talking to. Nicodemus realizes, oh my goodness. And Jesus says, hey, we're gonna be leaving soon. And it's the morning when they gather. And the way they're portrayed in the, in the film or the, in this episode is, is Jesus is in the, uh, you know, kind of like town square. He's got people around him, and he, and he knows that Nicodemus is lurking right around the corner because he dropped a bag of gold. I, we assume that's him that dropped the bag yeah. of gold here. And so uh, Nicodemus is around a corner. Nobody sees him, and Jesus says out loud, is there anybody else who wants to come? who is coming with us, we're leaving. This is basically saying your last chance to come. And the camera comes back to around the corner and it's Nicodemus standing there and he breaks down. He starts to sob and he just slides down the brick wall and and knowing who, who this person is and knowing that he can't leave or believing at least he can't leave this other life. And to me, that is one of those things where when I thought about the humility that ha- he, he, he must have been experiencing right there, first of all, and I almost think about that as humiliation. Like he hmm. was realizing I have been called and I am saying no, because the, my wife wants me to take her back to the safety and the comfort of our old life. And there's people that are counting on me. He was scared. He was scared. And I went, how many times have I been scared and, and reluctant to step into something that I've been called to do, equipped to do? And I go, ah, but it's going to be painful or it's going to be scary or whatever. And that, that, that was just a really powerful visual for me uh, of a lack of enough confidence to, to step forward, you know. If I can, let's maybe think about this as sort of rapid fire. What's something men can do to step into confidence further? Let me say it this way. What can yeah. men do to step into confidence that's covered by humility in our work as leaders? At your work, I think. As a I leader, what can it, we do? I, I whether you, Regardless of your position or title,
1: I say this. If you don't want to be the best at what you do, you need to do something else. You are stealing money. If you're just trying to stay employed or not get, you know, a demerit or whatever you get at your job, if you don't want to be the best best French fry shaker maker, you know, whatever it is, what are you doing there? Because I guarantee in the interview process, you told them how great you are and how much of a team player and culture builder you are. And then you get there and you think, well, this place is not that fun. That's why they pay you because it's work. But I think if you don't want to be the best at what you do, you need to find something else to do. But don't leave. Because you need the money. You need to go some you need to find a different place. But for me, I, I would love to have a, a room full of people and I go, where do I get more of these guys? Oh, they go to all oh, they all go to the same church together. I right. need to go to that church. Evidently, that is a great, you know, I, especially if you're a believer, should you not be the hardest worker while you're there, the best team player you can be? I mean, to me that's obvious, but it's hard. It's yeah, hard day in and day cons- out. That's why you need an armor bearer, someone with you.
0: Uh, No, that's great. And I've loved how you said that before you've said that on, on other podcasts. Uh, how about what can men do to step into confidence that's covered by humility as a husband?
1: Uh, cherish the covenant you made. There's a lot of guys who owe their bride an apology. You made a lot of promises to her and to her dad or whomever before you married her. We're going to do this, that, or the other. And now you take her for granted. If you don't cultivate that relationship, you will, that will be the most, one of the most damaging things you can do on this planet. And I get it. She's seen you fat and ugly and bald and everything else. And she doesn't think you're, you know, a superstar (laughs) anymore. She loves you, man. She's for you. She's with you. Hold fast to her. If you cherish her, if you treat her well, if you love her well, it will go well with you. And uh, in all aspects of your life, I
0: promise. Hmm. What can men do to step into confidence that's covered by humility as a parent.
1: I think one thing we overlook is just apologizing to them. You know, like for me, when I moved here, I was like, I was bent on, we're going to fix this church. We're going to get this going, this going, this going. And what I realized is, especially those first couple of years, my kids were struggling with moving and having no friends and all that. It, it took some time where I had to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not know that. And so for me, if I can make a, a fairly consistent practice of being humble in front of my children, uh, they know I'm not trying to be anything, special or, again, they, they've seen you, the good, bad, ugly, indifferent. I hope someday that they'll be better than me, but at the same token that they'll welcome me into their home because they know I was for them. I was with them. And to the best of my ability, I took responsibility for them. And I would say this too, like guys that come home, I get it. Sometimes come at home. It, it's not as fun as work. There's not as many pats on the back. Maybe you need to take a lap or two before you're really ready. And when you walk in that door, man, be present. Those first five minutes are critical when you walk in that house, be present. I like to change my clothes, wash my hands, use the bathroom, check out the TV. What's going on? Nope. I just stay in the kitchen to the best of my ability. Cause that's the hub. Everything's going on there. And then when I feel like, okay, I got a good gauge on it. I'll be right back. Um, man, if, if I lose everything else and I got them, I'll be good. I'll be good.
0: Yeah. That's such a good visual. Oh, my gosh. Because I've stood in your kitchen and I was just imagining what it's <laughs> like, you know. I, I think that's good. Dude, I think that's so great. You're just saying it um, because that's often what I do. Uh, you know, my kids are grown, but uh, the first thing I do is and I'm not fully present when I – if I come home, uh, I work from home. But if I'm out with clients and I come home, uh, that's the first thing I want to do is get out of my clothes, you know, and wash hands or whatever <laughs> whatever it is. It's just kind of like check out what, what the night's going to be. Okay, last one is, what can men do to step into confidence that's covered by humility as a friend?
1: Is be a friend. You know, sometimes we want friends. I need good friends. If, be what you want. Like, if, you, if you're if you going to be one, then be one. If you're going to be a man of integrity, be a man of integrity. You'll draw and you'll attract men of integrity, men of character, men of values, um you know, seek them out. There's a lot of places where you can find really good guys. You're not going to find them at the bar. You're not going to find them, I hate to say it, at like the local softball league. But I, listen, I did all those things. I get it. And those guys can be fun to, to be around, hang around, but they're not good for your marriage and kids. They're really not. And so for me, I look for high caliber men. I look for guys. I, I mean, I have I have a good circle of, of people and then I have a really small group of my guys, you know, and that's just how that works. And we all kind of understand what that is. You don't be in the circle of my guys in the first 30 seconds. It's a, it's a relationship that's cultivated, right? You, you go hike together, you bike together, you fish together, you watch a game together, whatever, like these things happen over time. So I think if you want to be one, then be one. If you need one, then be one, like be what you would hope to look for. Now I have people in my life that my wife like likes it when I spend time with them. Cause I come back better. I come back a better version of what she wants anyway. So she's like, go to Tennessee, go to Kentucky, go wherever these places, because <laughs> I, she knows that I will be refreshed when I come home. Uh, we're all better because
0: of it. One of the things that, that I think stood out to me that I wasn't necessarily on my radar to ask of you is, is it, I mean that is strength right there. That's strength under control, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay, so I you tell
1: me shelter in place. You don't got to tell me twice. I I am a I'm a specialized lone wolf. I'm good by myself. The whole nine. Like I I can I love to go on a trail by myself. I love to sit out by myself. You don't care about all that. Here's my point. My point is we don't spend enough time by ourselves. Intentional time. What I have found is when I'm driving, I'm constantly having a dialogue going, man, that's a nice red car. I wonder where they got it. That license plate is weird. I'm not going to make that light. You know, McDonald's does sound good today. You know, so you have all this stuff going on. And when you get away, what you'll realize is I'm telling myself a lot of stuff that isn't good. I have a lot of self-talk going on, a lot of narration that isn't real healthy. Eventually, when when you get away and you start to filter out that self-talk and you run out of things to tell yourself, you allow God to speak to you. And Romans 12, 2 talks about the transforming and the renewing of your mind. No more conformity, but renewing. And you're right. That's what it is. If you're strong mentally and if you understand who you are mentally, I don't have to be the most physical force. I don't have to be the loudest verbal force. I don't have to outdo anyone. I don't have to, because if you can get yourself to think right and say, all right, Lord, you tell me what I want to hear. You tell me the things I need to call to remembrance. You tell me the nudgings I need because I'm terrible at getting nudged. I'm terrible at listening well. Man, I'm telling you what, you have to have those intentional moments where you get away in a good way, not to hide, not to get in sin, but to get away, reset your mind. And it could be just walking laps in the parking lot. It could be just sitting in your car with no, nothing going on when you filter out that negative self-talk and you allow the Lord to speak to you, man, to me, you're right. It is exactly that. It is strength under control because you realize there is so much more going on. There's so much more opportunity than I ever realized.
0: That's fantastic. And so, so here's what I, what I feel is probably happening. There's people who are listening to this podcast that maybe don't know either of us, but certainly maybe not have, have heard of you yet, which, um, um, I want them to be able to connect with you. So, could you just go ahead and share how people can get a, get in touch with you? Where can they find you on social media, YouTube? Obviously, the podcasts. Um, just share those things. I'll put them all, I'll link them all in the notes here. But, but I'd like you just to, to 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 do that. And as you close, do you have any events coming up that you want to promote, or anything that uh, that you have going on that listeners might be interested in?
1: For events, we have a discipleship group that's online called Tribe. Six month commitment. We have guys across the globe. We just got a guy from Australia the other day to sign up. So, fifteen hour time difference. We'll figure that out somehow. Awesome. But, well, we hope. Uh, so we got that. We got a <laughs> we got a fall men's retreat here in Indianapolis where guys come with their sons, elders, whomever you know, from all over, and sleep on the ground, stay in a hotel, whatever. So that's there. But you can find all this information at thepursuitofmanliness.com. Was, James was actually the first one to set that up for me years ago because I have s- still have no clue what I'm doing. But you got that going on. Um, there you can find links like YouTube podcasts and stuff. I have personal accounts, and you're welcome to follow or whatever. I'm not that exciting, I guarantee it. Uh, but there is a lot more going on on those pages than, than anywhere else.
0: And you're the lead pastor at a uh, – it's called Castleton, correct? Uh, just tell people where they were in the Indianapolis area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We are on the Northeast side of Indianapolis. So we're castletonchristian.org. I've been here about seven years now. We're a smaller church myself and our worship pastor. I'm actually in the worship center right now. So it sounds echoey. That's what's going on because we have homeschool down the road, but good church. We're non-denominational and they say, well, what is that? We just teach the Bible. That's all we're trying to do. We literally go through books of the Bible to the best of our ability. Um, and it, when I'm done, you don't have to agree with what I said, but man, I encourage you to read it for yourself and figure out what does that mean. And uh, you go, no one's impressed with my words. Hopefully they're more impressed with God's words.
0: I don't know. To me, that's just a, a little bit of humility coming out from you right there because you you <gasps> you know you and I have had some really good, honest conversations. I have seen you um, start. I've seen, you know, I even gave you some feedback early on the blogging stuff. and But you have become... Um, somebody who who is I don't know has equipped a lot of men to step into those gifts that that God's called them to. Well,
1: I, I do feel like, especially in the beginning, you're trying to find your niche. And again, I was doing it anonymously. I didn't. I'm, there's nothing overly manly about me. You know, I'm not trying to be a persona that you want to be. Okay, so what I realized was I felt this call. I felt like there was an opportunity, or at least there was a, a, a something that we need to step into. And so a phrase that I had used, it's probably been six years or more, is community within the content. So there's a ton of content on the Internet. You can find everything that you agree with and everything you disagree with. And so what I thought was let's try to create community within the content. So whether it's a blog post, a podcast post, whatever, we're all going to drive you towards community because you're not going to be enamored with what I say. You might like some things I say. I will rub you wrong. I will some. I will use words out of context, or I will use words that aren't real words, or I will say things. Jim, James, I finished last in my high school class. All right, nobody's trying to be like this guy. I promise. So what I realized was though, if we can get other high caliber men, you're going to learn from all these different people. But everybody has something to add to the conversation, and so I have some things to add. But like I have a Zoom call tonight with our tribe guys, I'll listen to how many different guys share for an hour or so. And I'll log off there thinking, man, I needed that. I needed that. Now, if you come there just to hear me talk, you'll go, he's not that great. Yeah, I already told you that. um, My kids could have affirmed that, but I'll say, listen, I got some (laughs) things I can add, some things that might help. I talked to a guy today. I thought I helped him a little bit. Who knows? But at the end of the day, man, getting around other high quality people, there's no downside to that.
0: No, I I love what you do. You know, I'm a huge fan and I'm just, I feel really blessed that um, we connected because we be, is the funny thing was, is you were the children's pastor at the church that was my church, you know, but my kids weren't in your, in your area. They were kind of outgrow that spot. yeah. And uh, you and I met through some other things, functions of that church, but we didn't really become friends. I I don't think much until you were basically leaving. And uh, it's just, I'm just grateful for our relationships, man. Thank you so much for that. I think we were
1: at Q Dogs Barbecue or somewhere in there and we had a conversation and, and you were starting to, you were starting to, you designed my logo and, uh, you know, again, you were the first real guest I had on the podcast. So you have been a good brother in Christ. And again, that feedback, it was not all positive, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. I need to hear the truth. Don't tell me yes, when it should be no. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, and and you you've helped me understand. Uh, you know, as I followed you and watched what you've done, it's your organization and your discipline and and how prepared you are and how much effort you put into those things. I, I look at what you do and I'm like, man, I, I need some more of that. So uh, it's really good. Do you have any closing thoughts before we before we yeah. end here? Like, what's a what's something you want to say? I got
1: two things. One would be, you want to be more organized, James? Run a vacation Bible school for years. That'll get you real organized. So that, to me, this is all, <laughs> this is nothing now. Uh, but to me, my yeah. verse is this, my Bible verse is this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 11 to 12. Aspire to live a quiet life. Mind your own affairs. Mind your business. And don't worry about other people's business. Work with your hands and do not depend on other people. And you will be thought well by outsiders. So that's my thing. I try to lead a quiet life. This ain't ain't about me. I'm not trying to be a celebrity. I try to mind my own business. If it's not about me, I don't need to be in it. I work with my hands, whether that's typing or moving chairs or whatever. And um, you know what? I don't want to depend on other people. You know, I I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to lay around with my hand out waiting for someone to come feed me. We need to take initiative. If more people would just try to lead a quiet life, I think it would be a game changer.
0: It's beautiful, man. Well, thank you. That's a great, great place to end the conversation. Jared, I want to thank you again for coming on, being a guest. Uh, this is the second time I've had you on as a guest with a podcast. First one for confidence covered by humility. Uh, you're the originator of the phrase, the statement, and I can't thank you enough for uh, allowing me to to use it and share, share it with others.
1: I'm glad you're using it, brother. Have fun with it.
0: All right, man. We'll take care and uh, we'll catch all of you on the next episode of Confidence Covered by Humility.